Hello, and welcome to Celebrities on the Move, where we try and figure out what kind of global mobility and immigration regulations allow celebrities to travel all around the world. My name is Shai Dayan. I am an immigration attorney with Vialto Partners in Los Angeles, California. And joining me, she's also an immigration attorney with Vialto Partners, and she's in Dubai, United Arab Emirates, and she's just waiting for the workday to end so she can have an evening tipple. It's my co-host, Rekha Simpson. Hi, Rekha. Hi. Well, guess what? We flipped. So it's morning for me, and I'm not going to be having a tipple. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah usually it's uh, morning for me and it's evening for Rekha, but we have such an international uh, show today that we had to switch things around to accommodate everybody's schedule. Exactly. Rekha, it's 2024. It's our first episode. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. How was yours? How did you spend it? I had a fantastic New Year's Eve, actually. Normally, my wife and I don't do much, but this year... We actually went to a concert with two of our friends. So we went to see one of my favorite early 2000s bands, uh, Phantom Planet. They played a small show um, in the Venice neighborhood of Los Angeles, and it was a fantastic show. Uh, the only issue is I didn't get home until 1.30 in the morning. And let me tell you something. I know. You said that was late for you. <laughs> when, you're, when you're in your early 40s, getting home at 1.30 in the morning, regardless of how many tipples you've had, not a good idea. <laughs> but did you dance? Did you have a good time? I had such a good time singing along to all these songs that marked my early 20s. And um, it was a really small venue. There were only like 200 to 300 people there. It was a lot of fun. It's special and you'll remember it. Well, guess what I was doing? I heard. I heard. I, I want to leave the big, the big reveal to you because I know what you were doing, but I feel like it's your place to say. I was on a plane. I actually saw in 2024 in the air. In the air. I've never, I've never done that before. Um, were there, were there fireworks on the ground? Did you see any fireworks as you were in there? Well, my husband says he did, but I, I don't know. I don't know whether he was just sort of making that up for the kids. <laughs> but they were, they were pretty underwhelmed by. Uh, by, oh, by it all cheersing in the air yeah but um, that's a unique place to spend new year's to spend new year's eve yeah i don't think we'll forget it any any resolutions any uh you know uh plans for 2024 any any new things you want to do i think we just need to be hitting the beach um a bit more in 2024 so that's my that's my new year's resolution what about you <laughs> The beach is really important. I, I'm a big advocate of the beach. They say the sun is bad for you. No, the sun is great for you. Don't listen to what they say. No, we need the vitamin D. And what's yours? We need more um, celebrities on the move uh, in 2024. We need these great episodes to continue. And we will. We'll make it happen. Yeah, we've got a whole new set of episodes. We have a whole new set of guests coming this year. We're really excited to, to kick it off with a bang. So, uh, Rekha, before we get into our episode and who we're talking about today, why don't you do the honors and remind everybody and tell all the first-time listeners, what is it exactly we are all about here at Celebrities on the Move? Well, Celebrities on the Move is all about making global mobility and immigration fun and relatable. So every episode, we talk about well-known celebrity or public figures within industries, including but not limited to entertainment, sports, music, fashion, politics, royalty and business. The featured celebrity or public figure will be somebody living, working in or traveling to a country that they're not a national of. 
we will explore what type of immigration and visa programs would allow the celebrity or public figure to carry out their affairs in the particular country in which they are traveling to and conducting their business in. I could not have explained any of that better myself. Thank you very much. And, you know, we're just trying to make immigration law, global mobility as fun and as relatable as possible, trying to introduce it to the masses in a new and exciting way. We fancy ourselves as uh, the most fun immigration and global mobility <laughs> podcast out there. We are, and we go around the world, um, you know, and I think today's episode really highlights how far we can go. Yes, for sure. So just to remind everybody out there, we don't actually represent the celebrities that we will be discussing. We're only speculating about their global mobility status pursuant to publicly available information about them. We're available on all the major uh, podcast streaming platforms, whether you get your podcasts on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, or the other variety of different podcast streaming services. So please, you know, download, subscribe. We should be followed on Instagram. We should. We should be, right? Vialto has an Instagram handle. It's at Vialto Partners. And I just was checking, and I think we're getting really close to 1,000 followers. So I know that some of you out there who are listening right now do not follow at Vialto Partners. So I want you to stop what you're doing, pause this podcast, <laughs> and follow us on Instagram. And if you're listener 1000, we might have some special um, special treat for you. I don't know. Maybe. We'll find out. Ooh, that'll be interesting. We do, we do actually need to put up photos of us, don't we? I think the listeners probably need to see what we look like and what we do. They, they need to see it. <laughs> yeah, there's going to be a campaign to get us on Instagram as much as possible in 2024. Um, if you want to get in touch with us the old-fashioned way, there's always our email address, right? Yes. We're celebrities on the move at vialto.com. We would love to hear tips for for what episodes, you know, we can do. Yeah. Your feedback. We right, Reco, we just want to hear from you. Exactly. Uh, we want to hear feedback, but as I'm traveling, so I've entered 2024 traveling a bit more than I I usually do. So I've just been in Qatar. I'm flying to India today. Oh, really? Yeah, I am. I'm going to a family wedding. I didn't know that. Wow. Sorry, I didn't tell anyway, you. Anyway, I'm sorry to cut you off. Go <laughs> on, go on. Yeah, next time, tell me. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm just really interested to hear on, you know, what people's tips and tricks are for regular business travel, really, or just regular overseas travel. How do you keep awake? How do you how do you keep healthy? Um, we want to know. We want to hear a bit more about your experiences. Yeah, it's not just the celebrities on the move. We're on the move. You guys are on the move. We want to hear from you. So today, we're going to be doing a episode that I have been very excited to do from the uh, outset of our discussions about this podcast. We're going to be talking about one of the greatest tennis players to ever live. His name is Rafael Nadal. And Rekha, as always, can you provide the listeners <laughs> with a biography about Rafael Nadal, who he is, what he's all about? Let us let us know what we're getting ourselves into here. Yeah, I like this part because I think the facts are so interesting. And with a lot of people that we've spoken about, I mean, they've started their careers really early. So yeah. that's also the case with Rafael Nadal. So here goes. He's a, if you don't know, a Spanish professional tennis player. Uh, born in June 1986 in Mallorca in Spain, he started playing tennis at the age of three under his uncle and coach Tony Nadal. He was actually a promising football player in his youth, but he eventually chose to pursue tennis over football. And at only eight years old, he won 
an under 12 regional tennis championship. I mean, it's incredible. He experienced great success in the junior tennis ranks and he turned pro at just 14. Nadal's first singles Grand Slam tournament victory came in 2005, just two days after his 19th birthday, when he won the French Open in Paris, becoming the first male teenager to win a Grand Slam tournament singles title since Pete Sampras won the US Open in 1990. That takes us back um, <laughs> at the age of 19. <laughs> um, we're 80s children, aren't we, Shai? We are, yeah. we are. <laughs> As of the date of this recording, Nadal has won 22 Grand Slam tournament single titles, 14 French Opens, four US Opens, two Wimbledons and two Australian Opens. His 14 French Open Grand Slam singles title are a record and his 22 Grand Slam single championships are the second most all time behind only Djokovic's 24 Grand Slam singles titles. It's like a tongue twister. <laughs> <laughs> Raphael married his longtime girlfriend, Maria, in 2019, and they welcomed their first child, named, also named Raphael. Every January, when healthy, he travels to Australia to play the tennis season's first Grand Slam tournament, the Australian Open, as well as some smaller tournaments leading up to the Australian Open. But unfortunately, if you hadn't heard, um, Nadal has had to pull out of this year's Australian Open because of injury. Nadal won his first Australian Open in 2009 and won his most recent Australian Open in 2022. Nadal has remarked that 2024 is likely to be his last year on tour. Thank you, Rekha, for giving us the breakdown of truly one of the greatest athletes to ever live. Um, so sad that Rafa is not going to be competing in the Australian Open this year. We timed this episode specifically for January so that we can talk about him in the Australian Open. But it's okay. He, he did travel to Australia. He's traveled to Australia in the past, and he was, still would have needed a visa. So I feel it's completely apropos to talk about him and the Australian visa regulations, isn't it? Yes. You know, it's still really relevant. He's obviously been to Australia multiple times. And he is one of your favorites, so I think we should um, definitely be talking about him. Yeah, Rafael Nadal is definitely one of my favorite athletes of all time. I enjoy the whole Rafael Nadal experience. It's really sad that he's not going to be competing in the Australian Open this year. But uh, before we get into my love for Rafael Nadal, Rekha, why don't you tell us a little bit about your relationship to Rafa, your knowledge of tennis, racket sports in general. Tell us about, you know, where you fall in this whole tennis thing. Where I am on the, yeah, on the tennis scene. Well, I used to watch Wimbledon every summer as a child and then really into my um, early 30s. But to confess, I haven't actually watched a full tennis match since. So I know that's... <laughs> That might disappoint you. But I used to follow the Williams sisters, Okay, uh, you know, when, when I was younger. I thought they were um, incredible. And um, I also, you know, rooted along Andy Murray, who did us proud in 2013 and 2016. He sure did. Yeah, he's a, he's a great, great player. I think he plays very differently to, you know, I've, I've, I've watched recent clips of um, Rafa and he's quite, quite passionate. But um, in recent years, we've seen Brit, Emma, um, Randu Kanu achieved success. Sadly, she's um, not playing at the Australian Open this year after some time out for injury, I believe. So your relationship to tennis is much like your relationship to football, which we spoke about it a few is. months ago. <laughs> you uh, are occasionally tuned in, but you know enough about it to have an intelligent conversation about it. Exactly. I mean, I do let the side down a little bit when it comes to um, British sports or, you know, sports that we're, we're good at. But that's you, okay. I'm shy. 
You, yeah, you I'm make here to cover for, for you. I'm here to cover for you. So I, I'm actually a really big tennis fan. Um, not only do I love watching tennis ever since I was a little kid, but I, I play tennis once a week. Amazing. Shout out to my friend Vivek here in Los Angeles. We play once a week together. I'm a big, big Rafael Nadal fan. Who isn't? He's just an incredible guy. He seems like a really nice guy. His sportsmanship. He's one of the best players ever. He seems like a genuine person. Um, I've seen him play in person at the at the U.S. Open, which was really cool. I'm just a big fan of his humility, you know, his hard work, his aggressive play, and his dedication to the craft. Um, he's he's had a lot of injuries, but he's persevered through it. And I just like watching him play. And it's going to be really sad when he retires. Yeah. So I'm just getting in as much as I can about uh, with him until until he retires. I wonder whether he'll be someone that he you know he's announced retirement but actually might creep into 2025 i'm sure uh, all the fans would love that i guess it's all about how his body holds up because uh, he seems to be breaking down a little bit but you know it's hard to find somebody who doesn't like rafael nadal he just seems like a, a genuine guy but we we could go on forever about about rafael at least i can go on forever about his you know <laughs> on court uh, achievements but we are really here to talk about how immigration regulations, specifically the immigration regulations in Australia, apply to somebody like Rafael Nadal. Yeah, and we really want to understand, you know, how he's able to to travel and perform and, and you know, potentially uh, reside in, in Australia. I think this is going to be a really interesting conversation. Yeah, yeah we're going to get into all of that. So just remember, everybody, we don't actually represent Rafa Nadal. We're only speculating about his visa status pursuant to publicly available information about him. Okay, so, Rekha, let's get into the immigration, shall we? Let's do it. So as alluded to earlier, um, Rafael Nadal, he plays the Australian Open in Melbourne basically every January when he's healthy, enough to do so. Um, unfortunately, this year, he had to pull out of the tournament because of an injury. But he did arrive in Australia this past December for the build-up to the Australian Open, and specifically to play in the Brisbane International. As a Spaniard, I imagine that you know he needs some type of visa status to travel and play a competitive sport in Australia. So in order to guide us through the Australian immigration regulations that would be applicable to Rafa, we are bringing in uh, Vialto Partners' very own Sherry Wright. She is a partner and an accredited immigration law specialist working out of our Sydney office. So making her podcasting debut (laughs) on Celebrities on the Move and in Life, it is our very own Sherry Wright. Hi, Sherry. Welcome, Sherry. Hi, Shai. Hi, Rekha. So delighted to be with you today and to make my podcast debut. It's lovely to have you on. We, We need your expertise. We love having guests, and um, who better than an Aussie in order to talk about Australian visa regulations, right? Absolutely, and I am a self-proclaimed immigration nerd, so nothing makes me happier than talking about Australian immigration law, but also a big tennis fan. So super excited to be talking about Rafa. I understand that you've got the Australian Open in the background in the Vialto offices right now. We do, actually. So there's an Aussie playing at the moment. Uh, We've had to battle a little bit. The cricket was on this morning. I'm not a cricket fan. That might sound quite <laughs> unpatriotic of me, but I think Max Purcell is playing at the moment in the Open. And Rafael Nadal, I imagine you love him just like all of us. Who doesn't love Rafa? I think he's just a crowd favourite. Everyone loves Rafa. Yeah, I'm sure people are disappointed this year not to see him, but I'm sure there's a bit of a buzz 
Uh, you've, is your office filled with uh, tennis fans, Sherry? There's a few, actually. One of my colleagues is heading down to Melbourne, which I'm really jealous. I've never been to the Open live, watched a lot on TV over the years, but grew up, you know, watching the 90s greats. So Steffi Graf, Monica Sellers, Pete yes. Sampras, and then some of the amazing Aussie players like Pat Patrick Rafter. Patrick Rafter, right? Yeah. yeah. These are yeah. the guys that I remember from my youth. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And then more recently, the amazing Ash Barty. I mean, she's only recently retired. What a phenomenal player. So, a legend. Yeah, lots of great Aussie players. Yeah. yeah, Australia is just a really big sporting country. I mean, so it's really great to have you here to talk about sports and to talk about immigration with us. And we're, we're super excited to, to get into it. So excited. Me too. And and so Sherry, as you know, you know, Shai practices US immigration law. I specialize in UAE immigration law. So it's always really interesting for us to learn about other countries, you know, and compare immigration systems to ours. So could you kick off by giving us a bit of background regarding how the Australian immigration system works? Yeah, sure. I mean, the immigration system is really regulated in Australia. So we have what's called a universal visa system, which essentially means that all non-Australian citizens who are seeking to enter or remain in Australia have to hold a valid Australian visa. So the only exception to this is King Charles, who's Australia's head of state, and he can enter without a visa. But that's probably a discussion for another day. <laughs> He's your king too, Rekka. He is. Yeah. <laughs> He's got the exception, of course. He's got got the visa <laughs> exception. Only goes to King Charles, but everybody else in the royal family need a visa to enter. Uh, so the the Migration Act in Australia provides a legal framework for the changes in law and policy to be pretty rapidly made by regulations and legislative instruments. So as a result of this, there's quite a lot of sort of legislative and policy change that we see within the migration program. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. So, so Sherry, also in the US, we see a lot of changes from administration to administration. In the US, our immigration laws, amongst other things, it's really compliance uh, focused. So I'm wondering if Australia's immigration laws are also kind of compliance heavy, just like uh, they, we have in the US. Very similar, I think, shy to the US, a really strong compliance focus under Australian immigration law. So non-citizens are actually subject to mandatory detention and removal from Australia if they overstay or if they have their visa cancelled. Also, immigration bars can be imposed in certain circumstances. So you might remember the two of you a couple of years ago, a certain different tennis player got into a little bit of hot water. Yes, he did. Um, Novak Djokovic, yes, had his visa cancelled after his arrival in Australia for the Australian Open. And this was on the basis that he refused to comply with the COVID vaccination requirements at the time. And he was deemed that his presence in Australia would be a risk to the Australian community. I mean, even being that high profile, he uh, there was no no holding back by the uh, immigration authorities. Interesting. Yeah, that's right. So, I mean, you know, the last thing we want is for our Nadal to get into the troubles that Djokovic got into. From what we understand, he's not a troublemaker. He's always played by the rules. And we know that um, he's been traveling to Australia to play tennis for years and did that in December, um, you know, as well as to compete in Brisbane and get ready for the Australian Open. So, Sherry, what kind of Australian visa options are available for Nadal to compete professionally in Australia? 
Well, as Shai said, we love our sport in Australia. So, of course, we have appropriate visa options for athletes. Generally, athletes competing in sporting events uh, cater for under our temporary activity subclass 408 visa program. So, sort of the purpose behind this particular visa program is to support the Australian communities and the Australian economy by facilitating the mobility of overseas participants in a range of activities, while also ensuring that Australians aren't displaced from employment opportunities. So this particular subclass 408 visa caters for 10 activity types, ranging from entertainers to religious workers, researchers, and even super yacht crew, to name just a few. So Sherry, I'm really excited because I heard this visa category is called subclass 408. So I like this Australian visa category uh, because it has a number in it. <laughs> and, I knew and, you were going to say that, Sherry. Yes, because in the U.S., <laughs> In the U.S., our visa categories, they contain all these crazy combinations of letters and numbers. We just throw a letter, we throw a number, and then we have a visa. <laughs> um, you know, last month, last month, Rick and I did an episode focusing on U.K. visas. And uh, Sherry, you'd be devastated to find out that none of them had numbers <laughs> or letters in them. Terrible. I felt sad. I felt very, very alone and lost. So just hearing that this... You were very envious on the last episode. Yeah, just just hearing that this Australian visa has a number in it, it, it sounds great. But anyway, I I, I digress. It, it sounds like the subclass 408 <laughs> visa program, it's not just applicable to athletes, but it looks like it has a carve out for athletes. Um, is that what you're trying to say? Is that fair to say? Yeah. Well, look. Firstly, if it makes you feel a little more at home, the full name of the visa is the Class GG Temporary Activity <laughs> Subclass 408 visa. Letters and numbers. <laughs> we have letters and numbers. Rekka, I love Australia. <laughs> but just not overly complicated, we'll just call it the subclass 408 visa. Okay. But yes, you're right. There's several activity streams within this particular visa that might be relevant for professional athletes. So firstly, there's the invited participant in event stream. So this activity type provides for the entry of applicants for up to three months for people who are invited in social and cultural activities associated with community-based events. So this could include overseas sporting competitors and their entourage who are participating in events or tournaments or competitions in Australia. There are two things that I've really loved actually hearing across our um, episode so far is the carve outs that we have for, you know, sports people, entertainment, um, and then also a carve out for crew and, and entourages. I think it's, uh, I think, you know, it's immigration officials and governments, uh, yes. you know, thinking beyond the star. We all need our entourage, Rekha. <laughs> we do. Oh. oh, my God. You should see the entourage I travel with. <laughs> I can imagine, Shai. Yeah, I, I would love hair and makeup. That's what I would like in my life. Wouldn't we all? <laughs> we know that Nadal is a professional athlete and he gets invited every December and January to compete in tennis tournaments in Australia, you know, leading up to the Australian Open. So this does sound like a very applicable category for Nadal. Would you agree, Sherry? Yeah, definitely. I think especially given that there are very sort of streamlined processing arrangements for this invited participant in an event stream. I imagine that streamlining these visa processes is really important for celebrities and, and star athletes. So, Sherry, can you elaborate on this streamlined processing? Yeah, well, I think firstly, it's um, interesting to note that sort of most of Australian visas are actually lodged electronically. So there's uh, that sort of cuts down a little bit on the, the paperwork there. Uh, they're all lodged through the Department of Home Affairs e-lodgement system. The processing times, however, do really vary depending on the activity stream. Now, processing of these invited participant 
stream applications are generally expedited, particularly for high-profile events such as the Australian Open, and there'd be appropriate support by the application for bodies like Tennis Australia. So usually we'd expect it to be turned around within sort of one to two weeks, given that they're only typically seeking a stay of a maximum of up to, to three months. The other sort of thing to consider here is that because they are only seeking that sort of shorter stay, things like police clearances and health examinations are not required. And the lead time for getting those sorts of clearances can really add to the, the visa processing time. Yeah, it's a real bonus, actually, isn't it? Yeah, it is. These tennis stars, athletes, they can they can get their applications turned around pretty quickly for a variety of reasons. So that's that's pretty pretty good. Yeah, that's right. I mean, the other thing too, and and similar to sort of the scenario here with Rafa, is that it can enable them to engage in multiple activities as long as they're disclosed in the application. So, for example, Rafa's 408 visa would be able to cover his participation in the the Brisbane um, International as well as the Australian Open. Speaking of Brisbane, so this year we have a bit of an unusual situation for Rafa. He came to Australia to compete in Brisbane, and then he was supposed to compete in the Australian Open in Melbourne, but he had to pull out of the Australian Open due to an injury. So I have an interesting question for you. Would Rafa have had to leave Australia right away after he pulled out of the Australian Open? It's a good question, Shai. I mean, the condition that's imposed on the, the 408 visa essentially says that the visa holder can't cease to in, undertake the activity for which the visa was approved. So in this case, for him to participate in the events. Now, having said that, I don't think immigration, despite what happened with Djokovic, I don't think they're going to likely to cancel um, Rafa's visa in this sort of scenario because he may, for example, have needed to stay in Australia to undertake rehabilitation or some other type of treatment, perhaps he, you know, may not have been able to travel. So I think in this situation, although technically he would have been in breach of the the visa condition if he wasn't participating in the Australian Open, because unlikely that immigration would have taken any action. I imagine he's built a lot of goodwill over the years he's been traveling to Australia, the tournaments he's won, and just his personality that they're probably not looking to deport him right after he withdraws for an injury. Yeah, absolutely. But certainly if he if he is going to participate in the Open next year, and we really hope he does, he would need to apply for a new 408 visa for that purpose. I got it. I got it. Well, I mean, it does sound like the perfect visa category, um, doesn't it, under subclass 408 for Nadal. Um, Sherry, you mentioned that there was some additional activity streams under this visa classification for athletes. So would you be able to elaborate? Yes, of course. So there's also the Australian government endorsed stream, which enables the entry of people undertaking work associated with a government endorsed event in Australia. So these are generally large scale events as supported by the Australian federal government. The FIFA Women's World Cup 2023 was endorsed for this purpose, meaning that all competitors, adjudicators, officials and other related persons who are undertaking work associated with the World Cup could enter under the stream. And then there's also the sport activity stream, which facilitates the entry of elite players, coaches, instructors and adjudicators contracted to a sporting organisation. So this really caters for those athletes seeking to play for an Australian sporting team, um, for example, contracted players. So, for example, if we wanted to entice some uh, rugby players from the UK to come and play in Australia, then this would be the appropriate option. I was going to say, or them. soccer, or, yeah. Soccer, exactly, exactly. I said soccer, Charlotte. Well, uh, <laughs> you said soccer. I said that I would never say soccer. Well, it's 2024. You never know what's going to happen. Tend to, tend I mentioned to football just for you, Rekha, just to <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> make it relatable. 
Under the carve-outs for the athletes under the subclass 408 visa category, it really does sound like the invited participant in an event stream is the most applicable to Rafa. I imagine there are strict eligibility requirements that Rafa would have to meet to qualify. Am I correct about this? Yes, you are. So there's some common eligibility criteria that apply across the board, across all sort of activity streams within this 408 visa. So this requires the applicant to satisfy the immigration officials that they're not going to engage in activities that will have adverse consequences for employment or training opportunities or employment conditions for Australians, that the individual has a genuine intention to stay temporarily in Australia for the purpose for which the visa is granted, that they've got adequate means to support themselves or access to means during the proposed period of stay, and finally, that they meet relevant public interest criteria. So this includes meeting health, character and other entry-related provisions, including immigration history-related criteria. So usually, professional athletes would need to satisfy immigration officials that they are an elite player. Now, obviously, for someone as high profile as Rafa, this is unlikely to require much by way of documentation. It's really likely that an invitation letter from Tennis Australia confirming the tournaments he's invited to compete in um, and their support for the application itself would be sufficient to meet this you know, criteria. When an application is lodged, would it would include a letter from Tennis Australia inviting Rafa to the tournament, and that would be the evidence of him being an elite athlete. Yeah, typically, um, and in certainly if you had a you know a player perhaps not as well known as as Rafa, so a wild card entrant in the the Open, then there may be additional documentation that would be required. Uh, but for someone of the profile of Rafa, you wouldn't imagine it's going to be difficult to satisfy that he's an elite player. He's not going to have a problem, is he? No. <laughs> Thank you for that, Sherry. Just re- really insightful. What we love to sort of think about is how uh, celebrities might be able to spend more time in the country that they're visiting. So hypothetically, let's say Nadal really loves Australia. He's now getting closer to retirement. How wonderful is that? And uh, he wants to spend a lot more time um, in Australia or maybe even live there part time. So is that something that he could do? Yes. I mean, there's a particular visa program called the Global Talent Subclass 858 visa, which is a permanent visa providing permanent resident status in Australia. Now, under the distinguished talent stream of this Global Talent visa, there are a number of criteria that the applicant must meet, including, but not limited to, having an internationally recognised record of exceptional and outstanding achievement in a specified area, which can include sport. And also demonstrating that they're going to be an asset to the Australian community and in Rafa's case, through raising Australia's sports standing internationally. So if Rafa was granted permanent residence under this program, he would have the right to live in Australia indefinitely. And who wouldn't want to live in Australia? I have to say, as a proud Aussie. I know. I haven't been to Australia. I've always wanted to go. I have some good friends who recently moved back to Australia during the pandemic. I really want to visit. Come for a visit, Shai. I would endorse it too. It's great country. Rekka, let's go um, to the Australian Open next year with Sherry. Yes. Amazing. Done. It's on my bucket list. I'd love to do it. <laughs> that would be fun. But but before we get into the travel plans for next year's Australian Open, um, Sherry, I have a, another important question for you. Can this global talent subclass 858 classification ultimately lead to citizenship in Australia for Mr. Nadal? Yes, it can. So once you obtain permanent residence, 
Amongst other things, to qualify for Australian citizenship, you need to meet a residence requirement. Now, under the standard rules, this requires the person to have been physically present in Australia for at least four years, including residing in Australia for at least the last 12 months as a permanent resident. However, there are some concessions to the standard residence requirements which elite athletes can benefit from and which allow for a significantly reduced residence period. So an elite athlete like Rafa could have an easier time becoming an Australian citizen if he wanted to. So... Thanks, Sherry. It looks like Rafa, he would have no issues getting a temporary visa to play professional tennis tournaments in Australia. And it looks like if he really loved Australia, which who wouldn't, apparently, um, he would also be able to pursue both permanent residence and citizenship as well. And he could be successful in those endeavors. That's right. And I think Australia would love to have Rafa as a citizen. I was going to say, how, how would you guys out there feel? I know you can't speak for everybody in Australia, but I imagine uh, a lot of you wouldn't mind having him around 24-7. I'd be pretty happy, I think, if Rafa was around. But, you know, like I said, I can't speak for all, all my fellow Aussies. Any, um, any predictions, Sherry, for the uh, Australian Open before we let you go? Any, any interesting takes? Oh, I don't know. I mean, the the Australian that um, that we're watching, well, we were watching Max Purcell, but the other Aussie that sort of everyone's been talking about is Deminor, who I think yes. is a seated tenth. Yeah. So, I don't know. Fingers crossed. We'll be uh, we'll certainly be rooting for him. Might be the underdog. Well, good luck to to all the Aussies playing in the Open. Um, Sherry, this was really enlightening. It was really wonderful to have you on this episode with us. It's great to have you on, Sherry. I think that we're going to have you on again in the future as we do more sports-related podcasts. And um, yeah, I hope that you'll come back. I would love to. It's been such a pleasure. My friends will laugh because I'm really not the sportiest of people, but <laughs> I love my tennis. Well, we love collecting all the different accents on this uh, podcast, uh, <laughs> American accents, Canadian accents, Australian, English. We're just we're just piling on the accents. So thank you very much, Sherry. It was great to talk to you. Great to talk to both of you. And we've been able to make it happen today with um, with us being in L.A., Dubai and in Australia. So, yeah, we can make it work. We can have another conversation. Truly an international <laughs> firm at Fialto. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, great to great to chat to both of you. Yeah, we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you so much, Sherry. Thank you. So, Rekka, that was really enlightening. I learned a lot about Australian visas. How about you? I did as well. Yeah, I just, I love the fact that there's such a carved out category and the Australian authorities have really thought of everything, haven't they? To embrace talent and uh, in, in the sports and entertainment. It's really interesting how, how sports is so universal and that all across the world, Different countries have carve-outs for athletes to come and perform in the countries because sports is so important. It brings people together. And that's what immigration does. It brings people together. Exactly. That's why this is a great conversation. Are you inspired now to watch more Australian Open this year? Maybe maybe, maybe, of, maybe 15 minutes, 20 minutes here and there? Maybe when I'm waiting in Mumbai Airport for six hours, I can, uh, I can stream something. What time's your flight? I'm flying in the evening. Okay. I'm flying at uh, 11 p.m. I will get probably about three hours sleep on the flight. So that's why I'm interested in hearing about how people manage sleep deprivation <laughs> when they travel. <laughs> Please download and subscribe to the podcast. Remember to rate and review the podcast. Always very important. Follow us at Vialto Partners on Instagram. Remember, we're getting close to 1,000 followers on Instagram. Help us break that 1,000 uh, mark barrier. Uh, reach out to us. And let us know what you want to see, actually. Let, let, let us yeah. know what you want to see on Instagram. 
DM us, as they say, right? DM That's us. What, yeah. yeah. DM us or contact Rekka directly via email. Celebrities on the move at vialto.com. Um, I'm watching the inbox. And Rekka, now is the time of the episode where we tell everybody who we're focusing on next month. And we have another fun episode. What do you know? We do. And um, it's bringing it back to entertainment. So Killian Murphy is here in the US for award season. It's very exciting for you, Shai. He's already won the Golden Globe for the best actor for his performance in Oppenheimer. And he is the front runner to win the Academy Award as well. So we're going to be looking at what visa options are available to an Irish actor going to the US for award season. Killian Murphy, yeah. Yeah, you've watched Oppenheimer. I'm halfway through, but his performance is outstanding. Not only have I seen Oppenheimer, which was my favorite movie of 2024, what a movie. I also am a big fan of Killian Murphy from his previous work with Christopher Nolan. Yes. And also, uh, he was in Peaky Blinders. I hope everybody out there has seen Peaky Blinders. It's a BBC show that is on Netflix. What a show. If your thing is um, early 20th century Birmingham, England mobsters, this is the show for you. (laughs) I'm, yeah, we won't go into this right now. I'm going to be letting the side down with uh, not having watched it. You watch as much Killian Murphy as you can in the next month. I will do. And we're going to talk about <laughs> what kind of visa options Killian Murphy needs in order to come to the United States to participate in award season. So, Rekka, I can't wait to record next month with you. In the meantime, I hope you have a fantastic trip to India. Um, congratulations to your family. Thank you very much. I know I'm going to be... I'll send you photos. Yeah, as my people say, mazel tov to you and your family. (laughs) Thank you so much. And um, yeah, good evening to you. I've I've not actually wished you a good evening. Well, good evening, good morning, and wherever you are all around the world, thanks for listening to us, and we will see you next time. Thank you. Speak to you next month. For more information, please visit us at www.vialto.com. Vialto Partners and Vialto refers to the subsidiaries of CD&R, Galaxy UK Opco Limited, as well as the other members of the Vialto Partners Global Network. The information contained in this podcast is for general guidance on matters of interest only. Vialto is not responsible for any errors or omissions, or for the results obtained from use of this information.